You're listening to Wholehearted with Jenny Muscatel, bringing you 10-minute wholehearted interviews with incredible guests to encourage you with the light and love of God. Join us each Monday by tuning in to www.christianmix106.com at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Jenny Muscatel, and you are listening to Wholehearted, where we have honest, faith-filled conversations with people whose lives have been impacted by CHD. Today is part two of our conversation with Heart Mama Kat Hansen, who is the co-author of Hope and Courage, Six Life Lessons from the Parents of a Child with Congenital Heart Disease. She and her husband, Tom, have two children, a daughter, Audrey, and a son, Harding, who was born with a complex CHD requiring three open-heart surgeries. Last week, Kat shared what it was like to receive her son's CHD diagnosis and how God was with her through the journey. Today, Kat will share a bit more about what it's like to face such a big hardship and the moment she decided to surrender and hand her troubles over to God. I've been through hardships before, obviously, and and some big ones, but this was just so close to home. You know, it was my child. This was my family, and it was about to turn our world upside down. My relationship with God was the constant through all of it. Regardless of the chaos that is congenital heart disease and and the chaos that it causes in our family, God is the steady guiding light. He never changes yesterday, today, forever. You know, he's always the same. And I definitely found that to be true throughout the entire journey. You know, it's really neat to hear you talk about it because in the beginning of the diagnosis, what stands out is that uncertainty. But as you grow in your relationship with God, what really stands out is certainty because it's the one thing that is certain is his love, his presence, and his care for us. And in this process, you have this little baby and he's your baby and you have to come to terms with the fact that he's God's baby first and you have to hand him over to a team of surgeons and surrender all control. Can you walk us through how God's presence helped you through that? I mean, that's huge. It is. I can tell you so vividly in my mind the moment where that happened for me. And it was, again, before Harding was even born. I was still pregnant. Went through a a lot of growing in that 18 weeks I had left of that pregnancy. But we had several prayer meetings where people would just come and pray for Harding and pray for our family, pray for his healing, you know, all those things. And during this one particular prayer meeting, I just felt the presence of the Lord and affirmed to me that he's mine. Like he's not just yours. He's mine first and then he's yours because you're also mine. It was very clear to me inwardly and just felt like I needed to speak it out loud to confirm it. God was saying, let your voice be heard. And so in that prayer meeting, I just said, God, I love Harding so much. And I can't even imagine how much more you love him. You personally created him uniquely for you and your purpose. And so, God, I give Harding to you. And whatever that means and whatever that comes with, I'm going to trust you through that. I'm going to trust that you are guiding Harding's journey And that not only will you be with him the entire time, you're going to be with me the entire time. And you're going to be with Audrey and you're going to be with Tom. And that no matter what comes, you are going to provide for all of us. And from that moment on, I constantly had to practice that. Like you said, 
the moments where you have to give your child over to someone for testing or give him to someone for a surgery or a procedure, those are all opportunities to practice trusting that he belongs to God and God has us. It's not a guarantee of everything is going to go perfectly. Harding is going to survive. Like it wasn't that. That wasn't what was going on in my mind. It was no matter what happens, I know that we will be okay because we have God. If that is good, fantastic. Let's worship and celebrate what God has done. If that is bad or, you know, our definition of what bad would be, then we will grow closer to God because of it. We'll grow closer together and God will use it for our good and his glory. I really rested in that truth. Were there certain verses that really helped you stay in that truth? Oh, yeah. Memorizing scripture during that time was essential. And so there were several that I pulled on, but probably the one that stands out to me the most right now and stood out to me probably the most during that journey and when it got to its peak hardship level (laughs) was Romans 5 through through 5. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's absolutely beautiful. What is it for you about that verse that resonates with you? Well, I love that that scripture, it is very specific about what suffering is doing for you. It is building your perseverance, your ability to endure hardship. It's making you stronger. It's giving you character. It's making you a better person, (laughs) like a more well-rounded person. And it's teaching you hope. And you wouldn't think that suffering would do that, right? Like that doesn't necessarily naturally equate in our minds. Like how does suffering produce hope? But if we're not suffering, then why do we even need hope? Do you know what I mean? Like now it makes a lot of sense to me. We don't ever suffer, then there's no reason to have hope. In that way, I think God allows hardship and suffering to introduce us to hope and to grow that hope inside of us. And not hope in that like things are going to go perfectly, that things are going to go the way you want them to go, but hope in God and that he's going to show up. And what I love that it says in those few verses is that, and hope does not put us to shame. You're not going to be made to look a fool because of your hope. God is going to use that hope for your good and his glory. Again, you know, like it has a purpose and God wouldn't ask us for our hope if he wasn't going to use it for something good. Yeah, that's really powerful. You said at the time that first stood out to you, you were at the height of your hardship. And it sounds like you have a a really vivid memory attached to that moment. Yeah. After Harding's second open heart surgery, it was the Glenn. He came out of that surgery struggling to breathe. And it took us about a month to figure out what had happened. He just had to continually be on a CPAP, which is like assisted air oxygen that's also giving you pressure and helping your lungs to open and close. We finally found out that he had diaphragmatic paralysis which can happen during heart surgery, but it had never happened at Cincinnati Children's. So that's why they didn't know what was going on. It was literally the first case of it happening. And they said, listen, we have two options. Like you can placate the diaphragm, which means permanently put it in position to where 
the lungs can open, but it will shorten his lifespan by 10 to 15 years. Or you can wait for the nerve that controls the diaphragm to regain function, but we have no idea how long that's going to take. It could take days, weeks, months, years. We have no idea. And his surgeon was actually the one that helped us make that decision. He said, listen, I know for a fact that I did not cut that nerve. It is not permanently damaged. I would go the route of waiting. And man, (laughs) God loves to make us wait, doesn't he? So we were like, okay, we're just going to wait. And he had to get a tracheotomy done so that he could be on a ventilator and breathe and not always have to wear this CPAP mask. It is a unique challenge to take care of a child that has a trait. We had to learn how to do everything regarding it. We were preparing to have a live-in nurse with us at home whenever we got discharged. Because again, like we had no idea when that nerve was coming back. And so they were just preparing us to live at home with him on a ventilator. And while we're training up and getting ready for that, we're also going to be watching his nerve to see if it comes back. And it was excruciating. It was just, it was so hard to wait and to see and to hope. I was like, how am I going to like take care of Audrey at the time she was three? How am I going to take care of my three-year-old and my newborn when he has a trach and is on a ventilator at home and like has all these medications and will have all these doctor appointments? Like it was such a harrowing Mm -hmm. time. I didn't lose hope. I didn't think well, he's going to be like this forever. So let's just get used to it. Like that wasn't what was going through my head because I was still hopeful that God would heal him on his time and not mine. And yeah, on December 22nd, 2014, he healed the nerve. It regained full function. So that was the other thing was they were like, it could regain function and not be 100% functional. You know, it could regain 50% function. We don't know. It gained 100% function back. And before we were discharged from the hospital, he got his trach taken out. It was incredible to see God work in that way. You know, you hope for things like that. You hope for miracles and you hope for healings to happen. They don't always, but to see one happen in front of me was just the most joy I I think maybe I've ever felt. God is so good. Oh my gosh, Kat, that is truly incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. I can't wait for the third part of this conversation. Friends, join us next week right here on Wholehearted. And thank you for listening to Christian Mix 106. Thank you for listening to Wholehearted. Remember to catch new episodes each Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ChristianMix106.com. To learn more about Jenny, you can visit her website at JennyMuscatel.com.